Go and open to the book of Judges with me. Judges, we'll begin in chapter 13 here in a second. Judges 13. If you didn't guess based on the uh, Sunday it was, maybe you guessed by me standing here, and if you still haven't guessed, then you're bad at guessing. Um, We're doing our fifth Sunday evening, Drew Reads the Bible thing. Um, I always like to remind people of this, in case someone's a little taken aback, that we're not doing a traditional sermon, that what we're doing is not only biblical, it might be the most biblical thing we ever do. We uh, read the Bible, which is exactly what Paul instructed Timothy give attention to the public reading of Scripture, and we just take them very seriously on uh, evenings like this. The story I want to read this evening is the story of Samson. And I think the story of Samson uh, deserves some uh, preamble to put it in context. Um, So the book of Samson takes place in the book of Judges, or the story of Samson takes place in the book of Judges. And to understand his story, you have to understand the story being told in this book as a whole. The book of, of Judges opens with every reason in the world to be optimistic. So they're in the promised land. They're continuing to take possession of the land God promised. Um, on the previous page in your Bible and right before in the story, Joshua has just given his famous farewell speech. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, as we've just sung about. And all the nation gives their amen to what he says, and they all uh, re-enter the covenant, recommit themselves to the covenant Things are looking really good as we open up the book of Judges. But our first hint of trouble pops up about halfway through chapter 1 or near the end of chapter 1. The the author is recording the conquests of the various tribes. How they're driving out the Canaanites, they're taking hold of the land God promised them. But amidst that, we are alerted that several of the tribes neglect to drive out all the Canaanites. And so there is Manasseh in 127, Ephraim 129, Zebulun verse 30, Asher verse 31, Naphtali verse 33, Dan 134. And what this is, make no mistake, failing to drive out all the Canaanites, this is a failure of faith. Instead of trusting that God actually meant what he said when he said, I'm going to give you this land, and by give you this land I mean all the land, not part of it. Instead of believing that and finishing the job, They decide it would be easier to just compromise and live alongside the Canaanites. And perhaps part of the motivation was some of that Canaanite culture they were coming into contact with looked a little attractive to them. And maybe some of those Canaanite women looked a little attractive to them. And so an angel of the Lord comes along and he tells Israel what their failure of faith will mean for their future. This is Judges 2 and verse 3. The angel says, they, the Canaanite peoples shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. Judges 2 and verse 3. And Joshua dies shortly thereafter, and that, what the angel says, is exactly what happens. Um, The book follows a pattern which is sometimes called the Judges Cycle. There's about four or five stages to it. It goes something like this. It's it's a, a cycle that repeats over and over in the book. Number one, the people abandon God. They begin to worship idols, they intermarry with the pagans, and they begin to just go off the rails morally and religiously. Number two, they begin to experience consequences of their apostasy and covenant breaking. Just like God said, 
those, uh, those nations will be a thorn to you. This usually means the Canaanite peoples they failed to drive out and thought they'd made peace with begin to oppress them and rule over them. And we know that this is part of God's judgment against them. You like the Canaanites so much, then I'll let them rule over you and oppress you. That's number two. Number three, after enough of that, they begin to cry out to God for deliverance. They promise they've learned their lesson. We repent, we'll do better. And so number four, God will raise up a deliverer. They're called judges in this book. Not a judge in the sense of, of uh, leg- like uh, adjudicating disputes, but judge in the sense of bringing to bear God's judgment on the situation, delivering the people. And then, after they're delivered by that judge, and they begin to enjoy some relief and some blessing and restoration of the covenant blessings and all that, they slip back into faithlessness and the cycle repeats ad nauseum over and over again. That's what happens in the book of Judges. Now, a part of the dark picture being painted of this era is that even the judges themselves, the, the exemplars of this book, the ones who are doing God's work, the ones who are doing God's work, even they aren't much to write home about. That's part of the scandal, is the best Israel can muster are some pretty seriously flawed people. When you re- read about the judges, you feel the same way we do um, in an election where we don't like any of the candidates. And we're all talking about, well, we have to pick the, the, the least evil, of all, the worst of all evils, or the, the best of all evils, whatever the saying is. And we, we all kind of say to ourselves, is this really the best we can do? If these are supposed to be our best and brightest to lead us and represent us, and this is all we can come up with? They felt about that same way, or at least they should have. That is the best they can do. And so there's Gideon, who is fearful and doubting at every stage. And there's Jephthah, who makes some very foolish and short-sighted vows. Most famously, though, is the fatally flawed Samson. He's our story, our story this evening. Let me give you the one-sentence summary of Samson's life. I came up with this when I preached on Samson a couple years ago now. Samson is a deeply flawed and unwitting savior of Israel. He's a deeply flawed and unwitting savior of Israel. To put it another way, he is a blunt instrument in the hands of God. So, the two parts of Samson. Number one, Samson is a moral disaster. Um, Samson could not walk past an attractive woman without his eyes bulging out of his head. Samson could not stand to have his manly pride challenged. If you crossed him, he'd get even, and then some, there's a good chance you'd end up dead. The text does not whitewash Samson's character. It doesn't say, now, now, I know he had his rough edges, but you know, Samson, no, none of that. Samson is a moral disaster, and yet the second thing about his life is this. At the same time, the text emphasizes this immoral man is empowered by God's Spirit and despite himself is used by God to help liberate Israel. Throughout his life, even sometimes through his immorality, God will use him to loosen Philistia's grip on Israel. That's the Canaanite people that's oppressing him in this time. He will use Samson to loosen Philistia's grip on Israel. It's at the very end of Samson's life. I think after he's learned in the hardest way imaginable that his immorality and pride have ruined his life, it's in the very last story of, of Samson that he finally surrenders to God in the way he should have in the very beginning of his story. I believe the final act of Samson's life is the first truly faithful thing he does. The first time he embraces the idea that he's being used by God to liberate his people. God uses him unwittingly through most of his life 
It's at the very end, after being thoroughly humiliated, he finally volunteers to be used by God. And I think the question being raised in the life of Samson, the thing we're meant to wonder is, what if in the very beginning Samson had embraced the role God gave him? How much more effective would he have been? I think the answer is a lot more. So God had to use him in spite of himself, and he learned the hard way he should have submitted. So to understand Samson, there's two ideas to hold in your head as we read the story. Number one, Samson is deeply flawed and immoral. We need not try to gloss over that or apologize for that. That's what the text is saying. He is deeply flawed and immoral, and yet, number two, he is used by God. So let's begin in Judges 13. The story of Samson begins, as many stories do, of, uh, of people in the Bible with a visitation to his parents, an announcement by an angel. Judges 13 and verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So we see where we are on the judges cycle here. There was a certain man, a certain man of Zorah, the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of an angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold... You shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For the child should be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and spoke to him. Are you the man who spoke to this woman? He said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat anything, any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please, let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife, and then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. 
Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahana Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. And Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came towards him, roaring, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out in his hands, and he went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, Let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, Put your riddle that we may hear it. And he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wept over him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people and have not told me what it is. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother. Shall I tell you? She wept before him for the seven days that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day he told her, because she pressed him hard. And she told the riddle to her people. And the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had explained the riddle. 
in hot anger, he went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. After some days, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought you would utterly hated her. So I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches. And he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing corn of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked corn and the standing corn as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you, and after that I will quit. And he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow, and he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock at Edom. Then the Philistines came, came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? They said, we came up to bind Samson, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of rock at Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, we have come down to bind you we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson, Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. And they said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck one thousand men. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hands, and that place was called Ramath-Lehi. And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out of it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore the name of it was called en Hakore. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for twenty years. Samson went down to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. And the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, 
And at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all. And he put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become, a weak, shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought, brought to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it torches with the fire, when it tor- touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an upper chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arm like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pen, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into a web. And she made them tight with the pen and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep, pulled away the pen, the loom, and the web. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, His soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. And the Philistines came up, the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money into their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and called a man and had him shave off seven locks of his head, the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. 
For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than, were more than those who he had killed during his life. And his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the tomb of Noah his father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. Obviously a lot that uh, could be said about the story. I'll end with this. The good news of Samson, if we could call it that, is basically this, I think. God's plan and God's promises are so sure and so certain, no man can possibly derail it. That means no Canaanite enemy, as fierce as they may be, can derail it, but it also means no immoral ally can derail it, no matter his hypocrisy, no matter his lust, no matter his pride. Part of the story of Samson is that God's will will be accomplished, either through you or in spite of you. And it would be a lot better to simply submit to God and cooperate with Him instead of having to have Him use you and all your flaws and ultimately to your own destruction. So, we, uh, we never like to end uh, our meetings together without offering an invitation. We do that because we've been thinking about spiritual things. We've been thinking about the, uh, the immorality of Samson, the providence of God. Maybe you're thinking about your own life and how it relates to God. You have a Samson-like relationship with God. God trying to use you, you stubbornly, saying, I want to do it my way, and God keeps knocking. Maybe it's time for you to, uh, to repent and to come and, and let him use you as you obey him. If there's anyone that needs to respond, come forward now as we stand and sing. Jesus now invites you God.
appreciate it.